This last week, pastors in Cali, Colombia met to prepare themselves to train the members of their church to take the gospel in gracious conversations to their neighbors. These kinds of events are going on in India, Indonesia, parts of Africa and Asia as an ongoing impact of the ministry of church partnership evangelism. In our day, the thing we can do most to protect our nation from judgment is to give ourselves back to the lost commitment of the church to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. It was a church bound to that commitment that brought blessing to America in the past, and it is such a church that is renewed in that commitment that will bring blessings back to her. Hello everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life, a ministry of the International Outreach of Church Partnership Evangelism. You can go to traincpe.org to learn about how you can help us reach lost people around the world by raising up evangelists in every place. Or go to breadoflifeboise.org to learn about our missions fellowship in Boise, Idaho. Now to God's Word. We're studying the lives of four lepers from 2 Kings chapter 7 who are rescued from starvation when they discover that the enemy camp of the Syrians has been abandoned. These lepers, who are the lowest in their society, become messengers of the good news. I think we need to relate ourselves to their story so that we may bring others out of spiritual famine into God's feast of life. But the wonderful thing is we do know the rest of the story. We did come to Christ. We did cry out to him for mercy. We had run out of all of our options. We couldn't go to anyone else. And we surrendered to the God of all judgment whose power was set against us. In that moment, we heard his cry of salvation as he claimed us for himself. And we received the outpouring of the blessing that he gave us. He did. He, he put a new robe upon us and he gave us a new ring of sonship and he clothed our feet with the gospel of peace and he brought us into a feast. Let's look at that next. Second, it is those who have come out from judgment and found the feast of grace. It is those who have come out from judgment and found the feast of grace. Here is it. Having found the feast of grace and the riches of salvation, just a bit of advice here, dive in. Having found the feast of grace and the riches of salvation, dive into it. Just observe for a moment. Can you imagine the irrepressible joy that these leprous beggars experienced when they suddenly discovered this place where they were just trying their slim chance at salvation, maybe a crust of bread thrown their way before they could pass through to forage for food out in the regions beyond the city of Samaria. And the next thing they realized, they could never imagine that the whole army and all the tents of Syria are theirs for the taking. All of the loot, all the booty of their conquest is theirs. All the riches are theirs. All the food, all the food. These four men now, at this moment, are the richest men in all of Israel. The richest. What a turn of events. And they are giddy and excited. And they're eating. And they're, you can imagine, they're thinking about what their future is going to be like. And they're storing away all that they can find. And they're delirious in this moment. They've been going out to the camp of the Syrians full of fear, not knowing how they'd be received and what would happen to them and just hoping just to have life. And God was preparing for them in that very moment, not just life, but abundant life and overabounding provision for them. Listen, the first obligation of us in our salvation, when we come to Jesus Christ and receive him, the first obligation we have in our salvation is to enjoy it. 
It's just to dive into it. It's to enjoy everything that Christ has brought to us in his victory. We're to feast on his gracious provisions that are opened up for us at the cross. We're to satisfy ourselves with all the delights of his victory where he brings us out from our previous condition of condemnation and judgment. We're to take off our beggar robes and we're to dress ourselves in his righteous garments. We're to drink in the provision of his Holy Spirit as God has revealed our sins to us. Now we ask as we drink in the Spirit that God would reveal the Lord Jesus living within us. His life abounding with us. Jesus, show me your life in me. And let me live in the power and the vitality and the conquest of that life. Jesus says to the church in Revelation chapter 3 that he's knocking at the door of our hearts. He says he wants to come into us and he wants to feast with us. And so if you've confessed your sins and you believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then you have to ask the Lord Jesus now to, to come in and feast with you and to bring to you all the feasting and all the joy that his life entails and fellowship and relationship with him entails. Then in the power of the Spirit that he gives you, you can walk as free men and free women in the world. You can walk as the richest people in your society, richer than anyone else. Paul actually says it. He says that all things are ours. Everything in heaven is ours. Everything on earth is ours. That he himself is ours and that Paulus is ours and that Peter is ours and Jesus Christ is ours and life is ours and death is ours. Everything is ours, he says. We're supposed to live as though we've inherited all those things and they're ours. And Paul later goes on in Romans 8, He that spares not his own son, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? There's another verse I was thinking of, common verse we know. He works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All things are ours. What's our job then? Take advantage of all things. It's to take it in, to embrace it, to accept it, to feast upon it, to live in it, to live in that freedom, to live in that blessing, to live free from, consciously free from the judgment that had been upon us, to live instead in the life that he provides for us. We went out to the cross where God's judgment was set against us. The cross identifies that we deserve God's judgment. We deserve God's wrath. But that same place, because Jesus Christ is illustrating what our sins did and what our sins caused, our sins caused the righteous, sinless Son of God to die. And yet we go out to that place of judgment, and at that place of judgment we find that it's the place of salvation and life because He was dying for us. And He was dying for us in order to give us Himself, His life, and all of His wealth, and all of His provision, and our duty is then to lay hold of it and to say something like, if Christ is for us, who can be against us? And live in the turnaround of victory that comes through him. The famine is ended. The feast is on the table. You're supposed to grab the loot. You're supposed to gobble it up. Here's the third thing. It's to those who have come out from under judgment and find the feast of grace who must carry back the message of good news to those who are still under judgment. Don't just stay at the feast. Don't keep storing away the benefits of your salvation. You've got to go back and bring others out with you to enjoy it with you. And tell those who are in the midst of a spiritual famine of judgment that a feast has been provided for them. Their sins can be forgiven and they might enjoy a life with God and have all that they need and all that they require in Him. Tell them to turn, to repent, to recognize judgment is upon them, but go to the place of rescue and the place of rescue is where judgment is upon you. 
Go to the one who's put the sentence upon you. Go to the place where your sin is made known. You were made known at the cross of Jesus Christ. Go there and face it. And come before your sins and come before the deserving of judgment and fall in that place and cry out for mercy. And in that place you'll have opened up to a feast that's provided. It's all there waiting for you. Now that's difficult to do, folks, because our friends and our neighbors are still in a city under siege, but they consider us as someone who's just living outside the walls and shanties. They're the ones who are living in the success of this world. They're moving on, and they're gathering together the success and the labors, and they're making the... And we're like some strange pilgrims who are sojourning through, and it's kind of hard for them to listen to us because we've taken this position that we've found salvation in Jesus. We haven't realized that we've got it in ourselves, and they're the strong ones, and we're the weak ones, and... They're the ones under judgment, and they're the ones who have been saved. That's the reality. When these lepers came back to the wall and cried out to the men who were over charge of the gate, the very ones who time before had been lowering food down to them, they had thought the lepers had dead. What are you? You're still alive? We thought you had died by now. No, we're still alive. Listen, we found food, all the food you can have, and riches and wealth. The tents are empty, and they didn't believe him. They didn't believe him. They sent out their own spies to find out whether it's true or not. And Well, it's not likely that people will initially believe you either. But if you're partaking of the feast, you're fattening up on your salvation, there's color in your face and there's life and there's joy, they won't be able to deny that, will they? They'll go out and spy it out for themselves. And when they spy it out, hopefully they'll find that in your life what you've said is true. Your life is filled with peace and contentment and gladness and joy. And your word will have authority then. Maybe some will rush out from the city with you then to the provision God has for you. Make one last observation, and that is that our story is not a complete analogy. These lepers say this is a day of good news, and if we remain silent, if we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. The leper said, this day is a day of good news, and if we remain silent, if we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. They're basically motivated to avoid further judgment. We've got all this, things are going good for us, and we want to maintain this, and we don't want more judgment to come on us, and we're quiet at this moment in time. So there's a little bit of superstition and self-preservation that's motivating them, and I don't want to deny that there's some truth to this. God opens up a feast to you when you were under judgment, and you keep a lid on it, I don't think God would like that. But I don't think that's the thing that ought to motivate us. I think we ought to be motivated by a better purpose than that. To make known the glory of God in offering up such a great salvation for those who rightfully deserved his judgment. Who brings about in the moment of intense judgment such a complete reversal as to bring us into such a feast. How could we be silent in light of that? How could we be silent in light of that? There are a lot of people in our world today right now that are aching and sad because everything they've strategized and all their hopes seem to have been vanquished. And they're not coming true. Not so. Not so. They're, They're under judgment. But mercy is available to them if they'll turn to the judge. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. This is... What we say is true for ourselves, dear Lord. We have escaped the judgment we deserve through the way of the cross. 
we entered into that narrow point and as we went through it, thinking that there we would die and our lives would be left behind in, in some wonderful way, that's exactly what happened. But we came through alive to a feast that was provided for us as well. A new life with all the provisions prepared for us. The conquest of the cross shared with us through our Savior Jesus Christ. We who deserve judgment at that place. How wonderful, how glorious, how rich, how profound. God, we thank you that you're a God of reversals that you're in control of all things and the reason that we can have confidence in the circumstances of our day and the history of our day is because the greatest reversal has already taken place for us. You've turned everything around for us. The, the worst that could come upon us was in a moment turned around to be the best we could ever imagine and it's still coming our way. It's still pouring out upon us. And so when we're faced with the circumstances of the day, and we're tempted to despair, we only forget that God is there. And He is all good. And He is for us. For this we praise You and give You honor and glory. Now, Lord Jesus, understanding the way the gospel came to us, help us lovingly, kindly, gently, but firmly to bring other people this story and to give other people this hope. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.